This episode is about Irving Berlin, uh, taken from a very famous book known as Between You and Me, written by a very famous trial lawyer who lived in New York. His name is Louis Neiser. I wouldn't say much, but Louis Neiser happened to have a very keen insight into areas like legal matters, politics, society, and so many other things, especially into human behavior and human nature. So his articles make interesting reads. That's the reason I am narrating from his article, Arving Berlin. So here goes Louis Neisser. Before the advent of newspapers and radio, people used to learn the news through songs. Minstrels were the reporters of their day. Homer recorded his period in epic songs. The adventures of Beowulf were sung by Anglo-Saxon birds called scops. Perhaps it is from this word that newspaper term scoop is derived. If a historian of the next generation desired to analyze the events of her day by studying the songs of a period, there is no doubt but he would have to review the works of Irving Berlin, for those have been sung by tens of millions of people throughout the world. Such a historian would discover the high-spirited era of the beginning of the century by listening to Alexander's Ragtime band and my wife's gone to the country, he would learn that the green wartime spirit while listening to the songs, we are on our way to France and from your country and my country. He would learn about the peacetime conversion from bowling songs, I have got my captain working for me now. He could trace the romanticism of the 1920s while listening to the beautiful ballads all alone, always. Remember, music is love in search of a word. Berlin supplied the word and married it to his music. He could then discover the rising tide of the optimism in his blue skies and putting on the reds. He would become aware of the crash and the disillusionment of 1929 from the simple song, Say It Isn't So. He would learn from about American resurgence and recuperative power from the songs Easter Parade and Top Hat, White Tie and Tails. He would understand the desperate fight which our beloved country made for its own liberty and for that of the world by hearing songs, this is the army, angels, of mercy and God bless America. He would learn of her dedication to liberty in a divided post-war world from the strains of freedom train. It is very likely that Irving Berlin never realized when he was painting his musical canvas that he would reflect the story, history of our times. I suspect that Berlin was simply 
doing what comes naturally. Few men are geniuses, but even fewer geniuses are great men. Brolin has grown to this stature of both. He carries his music with him and his briefcase in his heart. When I think of the streams of melody which have flowed from him, which will still continue to flow into the hearts of the generation to come, I venture to say that it is not too lavish a prediction to make that he will be one of the handful of immortals of this generation, for he is the homer of a present era. Thanks for tuning to this episode. This is the third episode of my podcast series. The title of this episode is Tell Me No Fortunes. This episode is a real-life incident. A professor keeps surprising and stunning the elite people of America in the early part of the last century, which included the scholars and professors of the elite universities, including Harvard University, by his ability to read the minds of people. In a particular show where Louis Nazar was present, the professor keeps surprising and bewildering the people with his mind-reading capability and skills. Mr. Louis Nazar found that the whole thing was quite real, but he also felt that some sort of a trickery was played upon the audience. Yet, initially, he could not find out what exactly the trickery was. So this episode is all about the extrasensory perception which the professor claims to be having at that point of time and finally how Louis Neiser gets to the bottom of it. A short introduction of Louis Neiser should throw some light about this highly acclaimed and famous trial lawyer. He chronicled his experiences in many of his books with invaluable observation and insight. His most famous books include My Life in Court, Reflection Without Mirrors, Implosion, Conspiracy. Here is Louis Neiser. I am narrating the incident. Hope you will enjoy it. Tell me no fortunes. The circular said that the professor was the greatest marvel of our day. He had astonished a group of Harvard scientists who could not explain his extraordinary feats. Other skeptics in Europe and this country had been confounded by his mind reading. 
they had arranged their own conditions to eliminate all possibilities of trickery, but he had read their minds. Extrasensory perception existed. The professor would demonstrate it to all unbelievers. I went. He looked his part. He had an iron gray and a swarthy complexion which gave his deep blue eyes a penetrating quality. He was distinguished in manner and devoid of look hocus-pocus of quacks. In a simple way, he stated that he could read the mind of any person in the audience. He would follow the instructions conveyed by mere thinking. No writing of the message, no moving of lips, no imparting of the thought to anyone else, no questions by any stooge. Then, in a matter-of-fact manner, which heightened his persuasiveness, he said, I know most of you think this is impossible. I prefer not to lecture about it. A demonstration will be more convincing. I invite the most skeptical in the audience to come forth and determine for themselves whether I can or cannot read their minds. A lady responded. He told her to concentrate on any instruction she wished to convey to him and to keep instructing him in her mind only, not moving her lips or saying anything. He then took her by the hand, walked quite speedily through an audience of several hundred people, entered a row, stopped in front of a man, removed his eyeglasses, placed them on his own nose. Is this what you wanted me to do? he asked. She could not speak. She nodded her head in amazement and walked back to her seat in an another row, quite bewildered. A friend of mine could not contain himself. This is bunk, he said. I'm going up there, he did. The professor walked him to my seat, reached into my back pocket, took out my purse, removed a $10 bill from it, walked to another part of the room where sat an acquaintance of ours and exchanged a $10 bill with one in his purse, then returned to me and placed the money in my folder. My friend turned white. I thought he'd faint. That is exactly what I instructed him to do, he whispered to me. I thought of it at the last moment. I didn't say a word of it to anyone. This is amazing. I can't believe it. Before his last fate, the professor reported that at Harvard University, one of the scientists had instructed him mentally to go to the library, select a certain book out of thousands, to go and open to a particular page and passage, 
all of which he had done. He offered to give a demonstration of this feat on a more limited scale. An attendant placed 50 books on the table. Various persons walked to the platform and thought of a specific paragraph of certain page of a particular book. In each instance, the professor correctly complied with the instruction. It was interesting to see some of the skeptical stagger from the platform, shaking their heads incredulously and involuntarily registering comical attitudes of bewilderment. That night, I could not sleep. I do not believe in extrasensory perception. I felt a trick had been perpetrated upon us, but how? There was no studios, so I was convinced of that. The mental instruction had not been written down, so there was no bombing and disclosure. There was no assistant who communicated information to the professor by code in the form of question. He worked alone, yet I was convinced he had not read and could not read anyone's mind. This was my private mystery exercise. I was determined to get to the bottom of it. I began to reconstruct in great detail everything that had happened. I recalled the instruction of the professor had given to each participant. If I walk in the wrong direction, say to yourself without moving your lips, you are wrong. Take five steps the other way, five steps the other way, if I reach for the object and my hand is too high, say to yourself, lower your hand, lower, lower. That's right. In other words, break up your instructions to me into minute detail and keep giving me orders mentally all the time. I also recalled that he held each participant by the hand as he proceeded to his destination. True, he often had a handkerchief in his hand with which he had been mopping his brow, but there was physical contact. Is it possible that the pulse or other reaction of the hand might indicate to one highly sensitive to such pressures that he was on the right track. I decided to experiment for myself. I began with a simple test. I asked my cousin of mine to think of an object in the room and to give me mental instructions as I walked around the room in search of the object. I will stop the narration here. Tomorrow, once again, I will continue. And uh, tomorrow, I will also conclude the narration and you will come to know about the secret. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for tuning to this episode. This is the third episode of my podcast series. The title of this episode is Tell Me No Fortunes. 
This episode is a real-life incident. A professor keeps surprising and stunning the elite people of America in the early part of the last century, which included the scholars and professors of the elite universities including Harvard University by his ability to read the minds of people. In a particular show where Louis Nazar was present, the professor keeps surprising and bewildering the people with his mind-reading capability and skills. Mr. Louis Nazar found that the whole thing was quite real, but he also felt that some sort of a trickery was played upon the audience, yet initially he could not find out what exactly the trickery was. So this episode is all about the extrasensory perception which the professor claims to be having at that point of time and finally how Louis Neiser gets to the bottom of it. A short introduction of Louis Neiser should throw some light about this highly acclaimed and famous trial lawyer. He chronicled his experiences in many of his books with invaluable observation and insight. His most famous books include My Life in Court, Reflection Without Mirrors, Implosion, Conspiracy. Here is Louis Neiser. I am narrating the incident. Hope you will enjoy it. Tell me no fortunes. The circular said that the professor was the greatest marvel of her day. He had astonished a group of Harvard scientists who could not explain his extraordinary feats. Other skeptics in Europe and this country had been confounded by his mind reading. They had arranged their own conditions to eliminate all possibilities of trickery, but he had read their minds. Extrasensory perception existed. The professor would demonstrate it to all unbelievers. I went. He looked his part. He had a iron gray and the swarthy complexion which gave his deep blue eyes a penetrating quality. He was distinguished in manner and devoid of look hocus-pocus of quacks. In a simple way he stated that he could read the mind of any person in the audience. He would follow the instructions conveyed by mere thinking, no writing of the message, no moving of lips, no imparting of the thought to anyone else, no questions by any stooge. Then 
in a matter-of-fact manner which heartened his persuasiveness he said i know most of you think this is impossible i prefer not to lecture about it a demonstration will be more convincing i invite the most skeptical in the audience to come forth and determine for themselves whether i can or cannot read their minds a lady responded he told her to concentrate on any instruction she wished to convey to him and to keep instructing him in her mind only not moving her lips or saying anything he then took her by the hand walked quite speedily through an audience of several hundred people entered a row stopped in front of a man removed his eyeglasses placed them on his own nose is this what you wanted me to do he asked she could not speak she nodded her head in amazement and walked back to her seat in an another row quite bewildered a friend of mine could not contain himself this is bunk he said i'm going up there he did the professor walked him to my seat reached into my back pocket to call to my purse removed a 10 dollar bill from it walked to another part of the room where sat an acquaintance of ours and exchanged a 10 dollar bill with one in his purse then returned to me and placed the money in my folder my friend turned white i thought he'd faint that is exactly what i instructed him to do he whispered to me i thought of it at the last moment i didn't say a word of it to anyone this is amazing i can't believe it before his last fate the professor reported that at harvard university one of the scientists had instructed him mentally to go to the library select a certain book out of thousands to go and open to a particular page and passage all of which he had done he offered to give a demonstration of this feat on a more limited scale an attendant placed 50 books on the table various persons walked to the platform and thought of a specific paragraph of certain page of a particular book in each instance the professor correctly complied with the instruction it was interesting to see some of the skeptical stagger from the platform shaking their heads incredulously and involuntarily registering comical attitudes of bewilderment that night i could not sleep i do not believe in extrasensory perception i felt a trick had been perpetrated upon us but how there was no stooges so i was convinced of that the mental instruction had not been written down so there was no 
spamming and disclosure there was no assistant who communicated information to the professor by code in the form of question he worked alone yet i was convinced he had not read and could not read anyone's mind this was my private mystery exercise i was determined to get to the bottom of it i began to reconstruct in great detail everything that had happened i recalled the instruction of the professor had given to each participant if i walk in the wrong direction say to yourself without moving your lips you are wrong take five steps the other way five steps the other way if i reach for the object and my hand is too high say to yourself lower your hand lower lower that's right in other words break up your instructions to me into minute detail and keep giving me orders mentally all the time i also recalled that he held each participant by the hand as he proceeded to his destination true he often had a handkerchief in his hand with which he had been mopping his brow but there was physical contact is it possible that the pulse or other reaction of the hand might indicate to one highly sensitive to such pressures that he was on the right track i decided to experiment for myself i began with a simple test i asked my cousin of mine to think of an object in the room and to give me mental instructions as i walked around the room in search of the object i will stop the narration here tomorrow once again i will continue and uh, tomorrow i will also conclude the narration and you will come to know about the secret thank you very much for listening